And boom, we're going just like that. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by Generous United. Generous United is a membership-based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic Canada. What they want to do, they want to make sure that prescription drugs are more affordable so our loved ones, ourselves, family members, co-workers, doesn't really matter who, they want to make sure that this service is accessible for everyone and everyone can benefit from it. One thing I do love about Generous United and what they're doing right now is they're helping out small businesses that maybe can't afford health care for their employees. It doesn't matter what sign or what care um, of health you're looking to get. It could be a massage, it could be dental, it could be acupuncture, it could be anything really. If you can save money in one aspect of healthcare, you're going to be able to afford other aspects of healthcare. healthcare excuse me. So at Generous United, they want to make sure that you are saving money on your prescription drugs. Head on over to generousunited.ca. That's G-E-N-R-U-S united.ca and see if there's anything that they can be doing to help you out. And boom, just like that, we're going with the High Button Podcast. I hope you guys had a great week. It's Friday. We're going to send you off with a great podcast. We have Jonathan Bell. Jonathan played for St. FX men's basketball team from 2003 to 2005. He actually led the team in scoring and steals. In 2003, he was an all-star at the CIS National Championships, and he also was inducted into the Ontario College Athletic Association Hall of Fame. Stay humble. Holy smokes. Here, in the HRM, he has his own basketball school, Triple Threat Basketball. Uh, it's a high-intense basketball camp. You have to be selected to get into this camp, so he's not messing with just, you know, he wants to make sure the best of the best, the cream of the crop, are in his uh, are in his camp and allowing, uh, and, and allowing development to come to these kids around Nova Scotia. So I'm excited to talk to Jonathan Bell. He has a lot of influence in the basketball community here in Nova Scotia, from what I've heard. So anyone that's a leader, anyone that's pushing ahead to better our community, I am all for. So it's going to be a great episode. Jonathan Bell, I'm Justin. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Boom, we're going. Jonathan Bell, thank you very much for joining the show. Yeah, I appreciate man. it. Yeah, man, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I know you're you're a teacher, correct, at Bedford Academy? Yes, sir. So I know you're probably in the middle of a work day. So like I said, <laughs> I really, I really do t- appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to come over to the studio. Yeah, thank but you. my boss, uh, Nancy Wallace, she was all about this. Was she? Oh, yeah. She was all about this. She, yeah, all about this saying, listen, man, go get that done. Uh, <laughs> she's, so she's big on promoting her staff and... Yeah, man, she's a big, big time, big time advocate of us going to do these big things. So she was like, oh, yeah, go, go, go get it done. She was excited. That's the best. Yeah, I man. love working in a place like that where you're like, they're just, yeah, go for it. Have fun. Promote oh, yeah. yourself. It's a good look. Yeah, man. Yeah, I she, love it. yeah, it's a very good look. Great spot. 14 years I've been there now. And two of my kids are there. And another one of my children at her daycare. And then there's one more coming. How many kids do you how many? I have? Four. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, that's it, JB. That's it. <laughs> yeah. She takes care of us, though, man. She takes care of us well. Yeah. So we, uh, we were, like I said, we were talking to Jeff's cousin yesterday, and um, she had nothing but great things to say about you and had a lot of praise about you. And your name got brought up a couple more times about your reputation in the basketball community here in Nova Scotia. And people were saying nothing but great things. Um, I don't know the basketball community that well in Nova Scotia, but I know it's a great community, a tight community. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of upcoming talent when you look at guys that are slowly creeping into the NBA. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but in all facets facets of sports I love, especially sports I know nothing about. I grew up yeah. a hockey guy, a lacrosse guy, but yeah. I love learning about other different games. Um, and basketball is probably one of my favorite sports to watch okay. outside of hockey. There's, no, there's something about 
showing a guy dunk slow-mo and put some rap music behind. That's the <laughs> coolest marketing thing in the world that I love. Yeah. But, but, but we'll get into that and your reputation and stuff. But I, like, I, I want to know a little bit, a bit about you. Where did you, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, Ottawa, Ontario, but okay. I hold hard and heavy to my Jamaican roots. Um, so, yeah, man. I, yeah, man. There you go. You got it already. I got people... People always hated on me, but um, Ottawa, Ontario, grew up there. Um, I'm the third child of four. So I have an older brother, Hopeton, older sister, Claudina. Let's talk a little closer to the mic. Oh, sorry. my God. bad. There, you, there, you, there, go. You, go. there you go. There you go. Um, older brother, Hopeton, um, older sister, Claudina, and then younger brother, Stephen. Uh, family originally from Jamaica. And yeah, man, so Ottawa, Ontario is where I grew up and made my way out to Nova Scotia through uh, basketball scholarship. And yeah, man, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll go back. Bits of pieces, but Ottawa's where I grew up. So, yeah, man, br- proud for nation's capital. And I love Nova Scotia, though. I do love Nova Scotia. I do miss Ottawa and my fam, but I got a new fam here now, so it's good. Who introduced you to the game of basketball? Wow. Um, you know what? I just, I was just playing, man. We would just go. We would just play. It wasn't like one particular person, but then as I got, I would say, you know what? I was telling my students a story just yesterday about the power of your words and you can be constructive or destructive and just the power. And I mentioned my great seven phys ed teacher, uh, Mr. Spence. He told me, he's like, you know what, John, I can see you one day playing university basketball. I had no idea what university even was <laughs> grade seven, but uh, he was a big inspiration saying, and I just, after that, I just kept playing. And then I was playing high school and there was a group called Phoenix basketball organization. Phoenix was very instrumental in taking a whole bunch of us that were just boys just playing and they brought us into some kind of structure and they were really looking for young black men to get us in this program and just start playing because it was all these clubs that you could play for but that wasn't what we were about we were just playing and they took us and they said listen man we're gonna we're gonna get you so andy waterman and adrian cadet um they're both educators but they said we want to get you boys from the community and let's just go Let's just go play. Let's just go get it done. So they taught me a lot about perseverance, a lot about and many things I do in my program today. I take it from from them and just what they instilled in us to let basketball be your vehicle and let it take you places. So that that was a big thing. And then I had coaches all the way through high school and college that were big. But I would say Mr. Spence put the spark in me. Um, and then those guys really that was like grade eleven where I said, okay, I gotta pick one sport here and basketball started doing it seemed like the vehicle I was going to drive to get me places so yeah did it come natural to you just playing yeah and that, it, it yeah. bugs my wife because <laughs> she she got recruited to San effects because of her shooting and so she's from BC and she spent like hours of just working on a game working on a game working on a game and me I was just out there having fun just being an athlete you just playing everything that whatever was there and then once I saw that basketball was doing, you know, work for me, I said, let me, I started working on my game and started doing things to make myself better. But it it did just, it come. Me and my younger brother used to play in the basement on the laundry basket and like a, a sock and just throw it. And then we got these nets that we taped up. And But yeah, it, it just was something you just wanted to do, just get it done, just play. So if I stepped on the court, the field, doesn't matter what it was, I was going to go hard. And then basketball started uh, people started noticing me for that, so I was like, "Okay, let's let's see where this is gonna go." 
what was the most natural ability about your game you think there's so many when i look at a basketball player i look at so many skill sets like you you, you look at a handle you look at the footwork you look at the muscular of, of a guy mm-hmm. down low being mm-hmm. able to take like an elbow to the ribs mm-hmm. there's, there's so many elements to it at least when i watch on tv like i said i never played but yeah. what do you think was like the strongest element of your game that came most natural to you well i i feel like i've been blessed with speed so i was fast okay. i was quick um so i can get up and down the floor real quick and get a lot of buckets just from my athleticism and my speed alone. Uh, so I think that was it. And then my handle was tight. I'm low to the ground already, so I had to have a nice handle. And then I just I, – but I took pride in everything, man. I didn't want to be just a one-dimensional. So I said my defense is going to be tight. I'm going to get rebounds. I'm going to try to dunk, like all these kind of things. So I just tried to take – I was never a great shooter. I used to think that it was all about getting to the rim, like just get to the rim and body somebody and get a bucket. Um, and then as I started playing university ball, it's like, yo, you're 5'8", JB. You can't be going to the rim all the time. So I was like, ah, I better develop a little jumper. So then my mid-range got tight, and then I shot threes when I was open. But it's never my it's never my thing to do. If you leave me open, you're in trouble. But <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to come down and just shoot a three. But, yeah, so I, I think my I used my what I was blessed with, my speed, my quickness, um, just to get to the hoop. And then my handles were tight. And, yeah, that's what I would say it was – probably what came first yeah then i had to work on my jumper because you weren't going to get layups all day anymore did you naturally like i look at the position that you're in now you have a camp you work at a school you're Mm -hmm. a leader did you naturally fall into a leadership role on most of the teams that you played for yeah it it, it was it i wasn't the best teammate i wasn't the best leader as i watched game film i'm like man jb why why like what were you thinking but i think i was so competitive that I didn't know how to uh, speak to my team the best way. So that's one thing I tell athletes now that I'm working with is remember how to speak to your teammates uh, because I I was at a standard that I, I wanted to be up here and somebody who wasn't there, I'd be like, the way I motivated them wasn't the best way. So, but I was, I feel like a natural leader and it was like, I just wanted to get the job done. So I would lead with my voice and I'd lead by action. I would say, and I was captains of my team. So it came natural to to just lead. Yeah. and do what it took for my team to get a victory. Was, like, growing up in Ottawa, playing basketball, did everyone just look up to the Raptors, or was it Carlton? Like, who, what, what was oh, the... do not say. Oh, sorry. I don't... Do not oh. say Carlton. Oh, yeah, because you didn't I... play for... Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. No, <laughs> listen, no, I can't even go in there. Well, the Raptors wasn't around when I was... Well, they came, Damon Stoudemire came pretty late into... I don't know how old I was when the Raptors first started, but maybe I was in my teens. It was just, you just went to the playground and you played. I didn't, that's the thing. I wasn't like idolizing the sport. It was just, I just did it. So you just, yo, you're going to have a run. Let's go have a run. Let's, there was no cell phones. Everybody just knew you were going to be at the court at four o'clock and you just there and you just went and did it. And then, you know, you would watch NBA and there's guys that you would like. Um, but it, for me, actually, out here, we have the Dartmouth Sportsplex. So growing up in Ottawa, it was called the Nepean Sportsplex. And every Saturday, that's where the runs were. So us as young kids, we would go, pay your money, get into the Nepean Sportsplex. And then you get inside, big blue four with like two big full courts. And we would go on the side, and there was a chin-up bar. And so us from grade seven and eight, we'd go to the side, and we'd grab a volleyball, and we'd just be dunking on the chin-up bar, just <laughs> waiting for our turn to get called over to the big boy court. And one day, my older brother was going, and somebody, they were short. And they said, oh, John, come play. And then that day I played, and that was it. I was always invited over to that side. And it was like, 
you were just trying to be better than the older guys. So you were always playing up, playing up, playing up. And that was big. It was those things like going to certain courts in the community. Like, you know, you have Rucker Park in New York. Like, Otto had those courts where oh yeah, yeah I'm going to go to this court and the best ballers were there. And you were just waiting on the fence for your time to get in. And when you got in, you showcase and then you were always in. So it was like finding that playground and I'm going to this court today and I'm going to play at that court and so on and so forth. So I've it wasn't really like watching the NBA for me being like, oh, I want to be like that guy. It was just... Like the neighborhood guys. The, you want to be like the neighborhood yeah, guys. Yeah, let's go and let's be the best in your neighborhood. Like my neighborhood, we had one guy who took stats. So we all had our names and then we were compared to an NBA player and then... We took stats. Somebody took. If you weren't playing, you were taking stats. And he had like a, a, a binder that he'd bring, and like, yo, you're leading the league in scoring, you're leading in rebounding. So it was that kind of a vibe that we made our own league and just went and got it done. Yeah. It's every basketball guy I have on this podcast is a very similar story of oh, the yeah. community they play in. It's the court within the community that you look up to. Yeah. Not so much going to this league or developing well in this league. It's getting respect from your your neighborhood. Yeah. It's interesting that, that and way. That's, that's where it's at because not everybody could, like right now there's so many clubs. Like, oh, are you on this club, that club? I didn't grow up having the finances to join this club. I didn't even know about the clubs because if you live inner city sometimes you don't know about the clubs that have the the money and they and they come join for this come travel here it was just let's go to the playground let's just play so i didn't and that's when phoenix started because it was all guys who were not a part of the big ottawa basketball clubs they said let's take you guys because you guys can play and let's develop our own thing so phoenix has been running for a long time and they i was on a zoom call just about a month ago with the new phoenix people saying yo these are the guys who started in phoenix now look what they're doing and so we're giving back to communities. They're still doing it. Andy Waterman and Adrian Cadet, man, it's it's amazing. So you you were serious when you said in grade seven, like I don't even know what university no, is. No, I had you're, no idea. You're dead serious. I had no idea what university was. I had no. I was just going to school, just playing with your friends. That's it. And then my teacher said to me, "You, I think you could play university." He said Simon Fraser University, University of Basketball, one day, and I, I had no clue what university it was. And when I was in high school, started to hear about it a bit, but. You know what? You were just playing. And in Ontario, we had grade 13, which was OAC, which you would do to prepare you for your first year university. So grade 11, you're like, or your guidance counselor starts talking about courses and stuff. And But I had no idea. It was just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Just and, for the love of it. Well, and that, and, th and this is the problem. Another thing where people, they're so shocked. Like, I don't have a love for ball. It's I'm just a very competitive and said, I'm going to work with whatever is put in front of me. So God, whatever you place in front of me, I'm going to get it done. I love to compete and I love to, to, to play. But if I didn't have a basketball in my hand right now, I'd be totally fine with it. Wow. Yeah. And when, so when people see my, what I've been able to accomplish, not through my own string, all thanks to God for what he's done for me. They're like, Oh, you must love like basketball must be your everything. I said, no, basketball is not my everything. It's, Whatever is in front of me, I give it my everything. So I leave it all on the floor. And basketball was what did it for me. Basketball is what was what was put in front of you. Basketball was put in is what people started talking to me about. Like I had scouts come to my high school games that I didn't even know that they were scouts, and they were like, "Hey, good game, John." And I'm like, "Thank you." And then they got mad when I went to a different university, and they said, "Well, we came to your game." I'm like, "But people came to my game all the time." Like I was not. I'm not a regular. <laughs> story of the hoop dreams growing up and then waiting for that phone call 
you know, it was just looking Work. looking at the plan just unfold in my life and the success that it was able to bring me. What do they say? Like, you have a plan, God looks at your plan and laughs? Yeah, and God's plan is the best, and that's what I f- fully follow every day in my life. And so I said, listen, I trust you, God. Let it unfold, and let me be diligent and in, in tune with your voice so that I can take the necessary and proper steps. Because even St. Effects, coming to St. Effects, it was a God-ordained thing, man. It's just amazing how it happened. Well, before we get to St. Effects, yeah. I want to talk about the actual like recruitment process of going into university sports. Um, did, did you have to move far away from home to where you played, or did you go to? Uh, did you stay at home? Did you live in a dorm? Was it tough to, for the transition? How? So it. My first year out of high school, I went to Durham in Oshawa, Ontario, so close to Toronto. Before St. Evex, yeah. Before St. Evex, yeah. 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 So I left high school, Woodruff High School in Ottawa, and I went to Durham, and I spent a year there. Didn't have my mind on right, so school was an issue, so I lost my eligibility. Oh, no. Right, so then I have to go back, and it's a a wake-up call, like – if you're going to play on the team, you got to keep a GPA of a certain level. And I didn't have that. So they're like, all right. So then I had to go back to Ottawa, back home. And I went to the college there, Algonquin College. And that's when I, when I got back, I'm like, okay, listen, you got to get your mind on right. Let's let's get this done. You just can't go play ball. You got to do your school. So Ottawa was different. Did my two years there. Graduated. Had a lot of uh, success at Algonquin College. Um, and then... It was after the Algonquin, I was graduated, I played my two years there, and I was like, I was praying, I'm like, man, I, I, well, after Durham, I had two contracts to go overseas to play in Portugal or England, so I had two agents, um, they saw me play, and they're like, would you like to play overseas? And in, inside, I'm like, oh, yes, but I was trying to keep be all tough, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, and because they were telling me, we're going to pay you this, and um, I was like, okay, this is going to be crazy, so I... One year out of high school, I was ready to go England and Portugal, just play overseas ball. And I was there. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in in the power of prayer. I'm a firm believer in how God speaks to me. And I was praying. This was after I was telling my sister, I'm going to buy you this car. All my friends were like, John, you're finally going. You're finally going to make it. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be crazy. And I remember, I remember the Tuesday night prayer meeting. I was down on my knees, and then I, I got up, hearing that I was not gonna go, but I had a crazy amount of peace and joy. And I'm like, this is how I know what's real because something that I want to do, and I hear the answer being no, and yet I still am smiling. And I got joy about it, and now I see while going overseas wouldn't have been a good thing for me. None of this thing that you see, that you read about would have happened if I was gone overseas. So I stayed, went to Algonquin, great time there. Um, got a lot of credentials there, win ch- won championships there. Inducted into the Ontario Hall, uh, oh, Ontario yeah, Athletic yeah. Hall of Fame. Thank you, yeah. So that was a big honor from my time being Algonquin, just getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. Um, I was in Nova Scotia when I got that call in 2009. Um, and my boss, obviously, she's like, oh, you're going, <laughs> here's your plane ticket. Like, listen, man, she, she takes care of you. And she sent me to Ontario. <laughs> I, I went to that and just being inducted in like, this year, they, uh, her daughter, Miss Megan Wallace is the associate director made a, like a huge, big, like full printout of the induction hall of fame and the story. So it's 
right now it's in my school, like big no frame and everything. Yeah, so uh, you should have taken it off the wall. I and brought, brought it here, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's and that happened, and then Saint Effects came after Algonquin. I was so how did that opportunity become up? I, I was I guys that I worked with and played with Phoenix program. Uh, Gary Gallimore, we played at Saint Effects together, and then Dion Williams. Me and Dion like grew up in Ottawa right beside each other from diapers he was already at st effects playing in his first year gary gallimore was a rookie that i coached moving on to st effects and i was done with algonquin and i said lord i need more schooling and i need better basketball and i called coach k and coach k he's like yeah i've seen you play john i saw you play at the nationals in truro when you play for algonquin he's like you're an amazing player but my recruiting um my recruiting's done like i've already done recruiting so i called him late in april and i'm like all good i hung up the phone and i had that piece the same piece i had about hearing no about um going overseas and august 31st i'm at a barbecue church barbecue and (laughs) my brother calls me he's like uh some coach kanchowska something (laughs) called you i'm like coach kanchowski he's like yeah (laughs) and i call coach back he's like hey john I was wondering what your plans are for September. I'm like, this is August 31st, and you're asking me what my plans are for tomorrow. (laughs) And he's like, there's a spot for you. Like, two guys got injured, which is not good. Um, One guy tore his ACL. Another guy broke his neck. Um, And he's like, you want to come? So I said, Mom, I'm moving to Scotia. So within a week, Coach K got me in classes, in school, and – Boom, there I was Friday in Nova Scotia. And he said, you're living downtown. And I'm like, man, I'm going to have to buy a bus pass. Downtown <laughs> I know, but I, I had no idea what Anaganish was. And I was like, how am I going to get to school? I'm like, man. And then, anyways, long story short, I get to X. And I realize <laughs> that it's like a five-minute walk from yeah, Main, yeah, Main Street. Yeah. Main Street doesn't last that long. So, But, yeah, that and that's how I got to X. He called me and is like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, let's go. And because I had that piece already, it was a decision that – I'm just going to go get it done. I said, I'm going to Anaganish. No idea. Had no recruitment trip. Only time I was in Scotia. I was in Truro for a tournament in a hotel back to Ottawa. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But I'm an amazing decision because now here I am talking to you from that trip that I made a long time ago. Very long time ago. 2003. So, yeah, it's been some time. 18 years ago. And now here I am. Yeah. One one decision, it just one decision, man. One decision. It's yeah. I find it. I just find it odd how like you like you you'll get a no mm. and you're at peace. That's mm-hmm. one thing I don't get. If I get a no, I'm like I'm a little and yeah. I'm like, why didn't yeah. I get why it? like what, what's up with that? But and that's how I knew it was the right decision because I wanted to go. So that's how I knew that God was speaking to me. Like I there's a plan that I have for you. I yeah. I, I know the plans. I know the way. So. Yeah, maybe I need to look at it more that way. Maybe it's just like a plan that I'm not in control of. And, okay, maybe, and, and that's that's what it was for me. So I'm I'm watching it unfold in yeah. this moment right now as we're having this conversation. That from that one decision, yeah. yeah. What were your first uh, thoughts on Saint Avex when you got there? I know it's it's a small town, but the you you must have had a, a welcoming Nova Scotia moment. Everyone, yeah, when they come, look <laughs> at you. You're, you're still living here. I'm you still so, living you know? here. The Nova Scotia, is, it's this place is nice, man. There's many great things about this place. My, I would say, uh, <laughs> when I, me and Gary Gallimore were crossing the street one time. This uh, is your friend who lived in Ottawa. This is my boy you. who yeah, lived in yeah, Ottawa, yeah. and then he's now a rookie at. 
uh, St. Effects. And he's like, yo, JB, watch this. So we're about to cross the street. And uh, in Ottawa, you're, you want to cross, not a crosswalk. You got to wait for the cars to not be there and you go. So you jaywalk. And here, Garvey's like, yo, watch this. And I'm like, so we get to the edge of the road and then the car stops. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, we can cross. He's like, yeah, let's go. And I'm like, oh, they, they must know I'm on the ball team. So this is what it's about. I'm just a celebrity and they stop their cars for you. And then I'm like, then I realized, oh, Nova Scotia is just nice like that. And everybody, so I thought I was big time. Here I am, new basketball superstar. I'm like, oh, they know who I am. Stopping their cars for me in Antigonish. And then I realized, oh, they're doing it for you. And yeah, they're, they're doing, doing it for you. So that was my first Nova Scotia welcome. Like, oh, the cars stop for you here. That's <laughs> and I did not that's not what I expected or seen in Ontario it's like you get honked at and you're trying to like pick when to go and how to sprint across yeah. the street and he said yo watch this and just oh <laughs> so it was funny because I thought it was a big time baller that everybody knew about it was like no it's just that they're nice here I love that yeah, <laughs> it's, that, it's that true was, that was my welcome that was my big welcome yeah. whenever I leave here, I've, I've been in Nova Scotia for the past two years I went to PEI once this summer but when you leave and you come back you appreciate the little things about this part of the world yeah. that you take for granted at once in, in a while you yeah. know it's little things like that you don't hear a honk you know no. you hear a honk rarely here and it's like everybody's looking around like what's yeah. going on honking yeah. yeah no and my family when they came up for like my wedding and everything else when they come to visit like, you're man, showing everyone you're gay. We're gonna jaywalk. Come, everybody, yeah. everybody, come right now on the line and just. But they, they're just, they're blown away. They love it. Yeah, and they love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Is your family still back in Ottawa? Everybody's in Ottawa. Yeah, everybody. So everybody, everybody's there. So that's so that that's a difficult part for my wife and I. Just we do have, you know, friends that are very close. We call them family here, but um, it'd be nice to have. You know, the kids see their grandparents on a regular basis and all that stuff. So, yeah. And with COVID, this last couple of years, it's been even, we haven't been there at all. But everybody's back in Ottawa and just, yeah, doing their thing. So the whole family is back there, yeah. Um, from what I hear from people that have played at the St. Avex basketball program, they talk, uh, well, they just say first class. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I go to those basketball championships. They haven't been here in a bit covid mm-hmm. and then I don't, I don't know where it was before yeah but uh saint effects always seems to be there they yeah. always seem to be the top the the, the head honchos top yeah. cheese here yeah um i was wondering if you could maybe tell me some stories about what uh what you saw within that organization that represented first class professionalism and maybe their secret to to chasing championships every year yeah so i think you nailed it man like professionalism top notch and the whole saint effects as an organization money but like coach k that that man is Zach is what he is. He's a legend. So forty six years of coaching, and he is he was a father figure to every one of the players. You won't find a player that's going to say something different. He was a father figure to all of us. But he, a basketball, his knowledge was beyond. But it was just this. It's a spirit of excellence. It was we come in, and I didn't know how great it was until I started hearing players on other programs, and they're like. No, we don't have that. We don't have that. Well, what do you mean? So have like, what? Like what? Well, like the pregame, a pregame meal. So if we had an 8 o'clock game, 4 o'clock we would meet in Antigonish. It was, oh my dear, Pizza Delight. So home games was Pizza Delight. If we are coming to Halifax, we would go to, if it was like a big game, we'd be at Salty's. Yeah. So all that kind of stuff. And it's a 4 o'clock pregame. And after that, we'd then get picked up by the bus and go back to the game. Everything was just itinerary, was top-notch. He, he treated us like we were in the pros. 
So when I talked to other teams, they're like, we don't get this. We don't have that. We don't. It was like they just meet at the gym 40 minutes before their game. But us, it was like, no, you got this and you got video and then we got this and you you got a shoe company that's sponsoring you. And it's like no. everything was just top notch from where how he ran it and the practices were so organized and he didn't. He didn't take anything from anybody, no matter who you were. If you did not go by his guidelines, then there was consequences you had to follow. Like, doesn't matter if you're the leading scorer or don't get any time at all. Everybody falls under a criteria where we are here for one goal, one common goal, and let's go get it done. So we our practices were hard, our practices were intense, and he held everybody accountable. And he, he would just bring in players that had the same kind of goal in mind, just Go get the job done. And just from when you get on campus and just the alumni, the support that they give, it was because it's in Antigonish, like, that's what it is. So you're supporting, everybody supported that school because when St. FX is like the heart of that community. And so everybody was there. And it was like, listen, we go get it done. We have a standard that we want to follow. And Coach K was making sure that this is how it works here. And we just, he just did everything in excellence from the every minute of practice, just planned out and go get it done. And his coaching philosophy, and what I loved is that he would take, he would make the athletes determine what the plan was going to be that year rather than having a cookie cutter. This is what I do always as a coach, so I'm going to do this and you're going to run this. He's like, no, this is the athletes that I got. So this is the system that I'm going to use where some coaches say, I have a system and they try to fit athletes into that system. It doesn't always work. Coach K takes his athletes and says, now with this group, this is the system that I'm going to use. So he makes adjustments every year? Well, he would always probably go after the same people, but like by game, there's adjustments. So it's like one game I might start, next game I'm not starting because it's like uh, there's a matchup problem there. So, so how long did it take for you to recognize that, that he's not – necessarily sitting me because he's mad at me he say he's i'm not starting because it's a game plan how long did that oh he he, he, oh, come on. he would have he would have game we'd have pre-game practices and pre-game meetings so it'd be like okay for today this is the scout we're playing this team so this is my starters because you're gonna match up better with this guard than somebody else so it, it right away it just he would tell you like this is who's starting because of this and then we had our normal starters but in my first year I was I came off the bench and he mm-hmm. and he talked to people and he said listen John Bell can start in any team in the country he can even start for this team but his energy and his what he brings if I bring him in four minutes once the game has already started and he's coming with an energy that can last the whole game he's going to turn the game around in our favor just like that and I took no offense to that because I'm like I don't need to start I know that I'm going to get on the floor and when you get on the floor in university, it's about just staying on the floor. <laughs> so you don't get in foul trouble and you don't do anything silly. And Coach K's like, I'm going to give you your time if you earn your time. So I didn't mind starting. His philosophy was you do what's right and you're good. You led the team in scoring in 2003 to 2005? I would say I think it was 2003, 2004. But here's the thing. I led the team in scoring with 11 points a game. If you look at that now, people are like, well, that's not too much because we had six guys in double figures. So if I'm at 11, the next guy was at like 10, and the other guy was at 10. and 11, like So I might have been 11 point whatever, but there's six guys in double figures. That's unheard of to have really? six guys on your team averaging 10 points or more a game. 
that's unheard of. So we had everybody on that team was a just quote unquote a superstar in high school or wherever they came from. Everybody was scoring. I left there, Algonquin. I was averaging 27 points a game. So for me to go down, if I told somebody I'm averaging 11 points a game, they're like, "That's it." Yeah, because it wasn't about what I was averaging. It's about how are we going to get a W? Mm-hmm. How are we going to win? So one night, I might have two points. Somebody else might have 20. But on an average, we all did what we had to do to get the job. When the ball was in your hand in the certain set, and it was your time to shoot, you shoot. And if it wasn't, you don't. So, yeah, I would have led the team in scoring, but it wasn't even like something that you were thinking about. You just said, how am I going to get a W? Yeah. Because if I can have all the accolades in the world and without a championship, what does it matter? It doesn't matter to me. I said, I, I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I led the team, but there were six guys averaging double figures, which is unheard of. It's like, so who are you going to stop? Who are you going to guard? Well, we'll stop that guy. No, it's better to have a team doing that because then anybody can score and you don't know who to stop that night because you can't. You guard him, double team, well, then somebody else is going to knock down a shot. So, yeah. That's the stat, but that's not the way it really went. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I got most of my points because the big guys are getting rebounds. They throw the ball, and I'm off to the races, and I just grab it and put a layup in. So Get it quick. Yeah. So I then they knew that, and they used to throw it down fast breaks, and boom, boom, boom. And, yeah. So I, I, I would, yeah. <laughs> Six guys, double figures is, you're not going to find that. It's called depth. Yes, and serious depth, which is why you couldn't make a mistake because there was somebody else to replace you. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> so, never thought of it like that. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Um, great time. What a – oh, my dear. It just well, That's why I Carlton because we went to the national championship and we lost our championship game <sighs> against them. So, every time I hear, even though it was 2004, I haven't watched that game yet. Where and was it? It was at the Metro Center. And we were down by 20 <clears throat> in the first half. And rallied back to get it within three points. And then 30 seconds left, we score, we hear a whistle, the ball goes in. And so I don't know if you know basketball, but an N1 is when you get fouled and you score. Obviously, you know that. Um, And so the Metro Center is like 10,000 people just roaring because we're playing Carlton. They're from Ottawa, so they have their contingency, but we had this place rammed. And we just came back from 20 points down in a national championship game. We hear the whistle. Our big man, Neil McDonald, goes up, bucket, and we are losing it. <laughs> Excuse me. And then the ref says, double dribble. And... Yeah. And that ref shouldn't have been refing. <laughs> and I don't, I'm saying that anybody can see it. He shouldn't have been refing because... He was a graduate of St. FX. Um, so you shouldn't have somebody. And there was some history with him, too, in the basketball program. So let's just say that. Wow. Yeah. So it was. It, that's a tough one. So I haven't watched that game yet. Sorry, I brought Carl. No, listen, early. man. Listen. <laughs> listen. I'm from all. I know guys on that team, on the Carlton team. So like, it's not like if I saw him, I wouldn't be like, yo, you're my dude. But that championship, that hurts still. That hurts because in my college career and university, four times I went to nationals. And I said, I have championship, loss, semifinal, loss, championship, loss, semifinal, loss. So that's my four years of basketball. Nationals, which is, when I look back now, I'm like, man, I made it. But I'm I'm a champ. I want to be a champ, right? So I won. We win. The, 
And I used to think about it as nothing. I was just telling a coach now, I can't find my silver medal. Because when I got it, I was like, I don't want this. But now I'm like, yo, you should have kept that thing. Because I look at St. FX, they haven't been back in how long? Like, they haven't won an AUS championship since I left in 2005. Oh, yeah. And when I was there, it was, that's all we did. So we won the AUS championship. We won the league. And it was like, okay, that's my stepping stone to get to nationals. So I look back now, I'm like, those were great accomplishments that I took for granted. So every athlete I train right now, I'm like, listen, hold on to the fact that you're still playing. Hold on to these small victories. Uh, you don't get the big championship. Yeah, it hurts, but there's a lot more going on right now. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, that hurts, but life is more than basketball. And that's why how it's never been something that I love. It was just something that I was passionate about to get it done. And that helped me. That and I had a teammate, Alex Stevens, who actually, he's from Toronto, but he's living here now. He lives in Sackville, and him and I are very tight. He was my roommate when I moved to St. FX. Uh, first met him there, and uh, we've been tight ever since. He was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his. Um, and he, him and I, both Christian men, and it was, when if we would lose a game, it was like, you know what? We don't have the basketball championship, but we still got a relationship with God and, and that's what held us and that's what kept us because we're super competitive. None of us like to lose, but in the end, basketball is basketball, man. It's not it's not the end. When you're playing on that floor, I, I want you to give it all you have. Everybody I train, listen, you give everything you have, go get the result, go get that championship. I want to win. But in the end, if I don't, there's so many many things to be grateful for, mm. right? But it's hard to see that when you're in the moment. So I wish I had my silver medal. <laughs> I have no, where, you have no idea where it would no be. Like a gym bag, you left no somewhere. No idea, oh. man. No idea. That's a weird one. No idea, and I, it's it was foolish of me. But at that time, it's like you wanted that. You wanted that ring. You wanted to get yeah. that championship ring, and then falling short. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, man. At what point of your career did you want to start a basketball camp? A triple threat basketball. Yeah, triple threat basketball, man. This has been a blessing in my life. It's eight years now running this. It started with myself and two parents, uh, Dave McKinnon and Tom Moeller. They, their children went to Bedford Academy, and I was coaching the basketball team there. And they played in a different organization in the city where there was a sign-up system where everybody had to sign up at midnight to get – because it was just so – it's high, like everybody wanted to get into it. So to get into the camp, to get into the, the another camp in the city. So okay. at midnight, it was like first come first serve. So all the parents were trying to register at the same time, and there was a glitch. And they said, so those two girls, Olivia Moeller and Laura McKinnon, didn't get into the program, and they were the best players in the city. But because they didn't sign in in time, they couldn't get in. So they were very high in, in the caliber. So the parents came to me and said, Yo, Mr. Bell, if we got some girls, would you? run a training program. I'm like, listen, that's what I've been praying about. It's something I want to do. I just didn't know how to get it started. Anyways, meeting after meetings at Tim Hortons for like a few weeks. And then it was like, what's it going to be called? What's the colors going to be? And what's going to be? And then we got it started 2014. And man, it's it's taken off from there. So tonight, I, I'm an assistant coach at Dalhousie University for the women's team. Oh, are you? Okay. Yes. So there's a girl on that team that was in my program, and they were playing UPEI, and there's two girls from on that team that are in my program. So right now, there's girls all over playing the AUS that started in triple threat when it first started. And no now, way. here they are playing university, so I get to go to the games. And 
see them, watch them, and then talk to them after. It's just that's what you want. You want to train kids from when they're 12, now they're 18, 19, and here they are in the program playing university basketball, which I told them when they started, this is your goal where you're going to get. And not just get there, but dominate when you're on the floor too. Like, yeah, you got the jersey. Now let's get some playing time. So, yeah, triple threat. I've always I've always wanted to do it, man, just to train athletes who really wanted to get better. Um, and that's what I do. And so I've been doing that for a long time. And it's an amazing program that it's for athletes who just want to work and want to get better. I want to take you to the next level. And it's finding the small things that people might overlook because my program is not flashy. We don't go on any road trips. Like we're not doing any tournaments. There's no games. It's you come in and I say, What's wrong right now is that when you're shooting, uh, your foot is turned this way and it needs to be like that. And when you're doing your crossover right now, you're only going east and west and you need to go northeast and southwest. So it's about finding the small things to make your game that much better. So it's fundamentals after fundamentals after fundamentals. And we take those fundamentals and we put them in game-like situations and then they go and they execute. So everybody in my program plays for different teams around different high schools different clubs yeah. it's just we're going to put in the work that it needs to get you better and when i look at kids now they're missing fundamentals and nothing's wrong with tournaments but you go play a tournament you nobody has time to say hey on that jump shot your elbow was a little bit over here one degree off let's get it inside here so little things like that that's what triple threat is and it's a high intensity kind of program where i'm just going to get I had girls go home the first night and I can't stand Coach Bell. I hate him. I hate him. And now they're playing university basketball. So the parents said, you're going to stay because I said, you may not like how I bring it out, but everything I do is for your benefit. And I'm not going to let you get away with not sprinting. If I say touch a line, you're touching the line, right? If you're supposed to finish your layup and you're missing open layups, we got consequences for that. So I hold my players at a high standard, Phoenix basketball and St. Effects, the things that I've learned. And I just... What I've been taught, I'm giving it back to them because it made me successful. So now I'm going to help you be successful. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I I love it, man. And my kids are about it. My my wife's obviously a huge supporter. I could not get anything this done without her being like, yeah, go to another triple threat session. Yeah, <laughs> go. I got all four kids. I'm good. Uh, but she's been amazing in this. I've had a lot of support. And it's, yeah, triple threat. I, I, I love it, man. I love seeing the hoodie people rocking the hoodie rocking the gear um it's just and because it's invite only there's only a you won't see everybody oh yeah so you won't see everybody rocking it this is me going to games and being like i like your attitude not even your skill i like your attitude because i'm trying to make you a better person and a better player how you're going to contribute to society so i like your attitude you got skill but i like your attitude Let's come on in. Let me work with you. Can so, politics come sometimes come with that? Is the invite only? Like you got a parent approaching you? Hey, Jonathan, look. And, you know, well, they. I think people just understand that what I'm about, and it's not. I'm not picking the best players. I'm picking kids who really want to work. And sometimes the best players don't want to put the hard work in because things come natural for them. I'm picking kids who really want to work. And there's some people who are gonna that don't appreciate. This, my my style or even my how I choose people but then I have parents who write emails being like listen I heard about your program I hear the what it does for athletes and they'll send me a video of their child playing and like could they come into your program my philosophy is 
It's believe, commit, achieve. I want you coming and believing that what we're going to teach you is going to make you better. Believe it in your abilities. We want you to commit to those things. So putting the work in when nobody's watching, what you do when nobody's watching, and then you will achieve your goals if you believe and if you spend the time, commit to it, you will get it done. Mm. So people come in knowing that, knowing it's going to be hard work. And the politics, I don't know. I got people saying they want to join. I got people saying they don't want to join. And the ones who want to join, I say, well, if somebody leaves, then there's a spot for you. But you got first right to refusal. Just like you at St. of X. That's it. (laughs) That's it. So it's a high, high standard that I try to hold for my athletes. And it's been very successful. They know Coach Bell has mad love for them. Mm. But uh, sometimes when you love somebody, discipline is even more yeah. you you got to make sure that if i didn't care about you that i'll I'll leave your foot being turned wrong and your elbow being out but because i want to see you well i'm going to discipline you in a different way i'm going to be a little bit tougher on you so yeah that's the part the hardest thing for kids to understand when i was younger playing sports and a coach was tough on me i thought it was just because they didn't like me right and then it took me a couple years into my like older teens to go okay no he just respects me and thinks i can do great things yes it just takes people a little bit it longer. it takes time and it's being a coach it's about knowing everybody's personnel mm. like so maybe you can handle me being up in your face when the next person just needs me to walk over and be like put a hand on the shoulder be like just do it this way this time do you think that was one of coach k's specialty as well knowing personalities within the team oh yeah, de- yeah. definitely and that's and taking those personalities and make it be one cohesive group yeah. and say later we're gonna fall under this umbrella like definitely because he knew that he had some hot heads and he knew he had some cool heads and so he's like well i need my hot head on now and i but need my cool head to cool that guy down so he just had it strategically planned out and there's a great group of guys, man. Like, I would love a team reunion just to be with those guys again because it was great times. And, yeah, Coach K had it down to a T, how we – and he was coaching for love so that. long. Where's he – do you know where he's living at right he's now? He's still in Adinganish. I just, he lives in Adinganish? Yeah, I spoke to him just a month ago because before I took the, the Dalhousie position, I was like, Coach, I want your advice on what you think. Oh, yeah. He's like, you've been gone from St. FX long enough. Nobody's going to think that you're, like, changing on us. Um, and he's like, I think it would be a great opportunity for you. You've been coaching for a while. Because I coached with him for two years. Because when I was done playing, I wasn't graduated yet. So I finished in 2005, but I still had two years left okay, of school. I got you. So he let me stay on the bench, and I learned a lot from him then. And 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 then, and yeah, then, then moving on there. So I called him, and he's in Anaganish right now. He's just retired last year after 46 years, so he has this. His hand, 46 years. He has his hand in it, but he's not He's not really involved in basketball. He just gives them. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. He's slowly transitioning into retirement. That's I, the thing, though. Guys like that can't sit still. He's not going to. He's not going to. I don't think he's yeah. going to stop. He's just not coaching St. Effects anymore because he does national. He does Canada basketball stuff. All like He just traveled with them overseas. Like He's still involved in that because he did Canada basketball stuff for a long time. Wow. Yeah. So St. Effects wasn't his only. Wasn't his only gig. Thing, yeah. yeah. How, how much time are we at, Jeff, right now? Uh, 15 um, could you give me one maybe success story that you had within the camp? Maybe you had someone that came and wasn't really the most skilled player but left and somehow maybe got a scholarship. I don't know. Hypothetically, like if there's any one success story within uh, within your <laughs> Within Triple Threat? You know, it, I think the success is it's been around for this long, but that the fact when I go to games now and it's like I'm seeing – the players, they're playing university, and I saw them when they were 12 to where they are now. 
Um, there's so many stories of many athletes that were never the best skill, but the hardest working. And now you see them playing university. So it's hard to say one particular person. It's just looking around the AUS and seeing that these kids started, you know, with me. I wasn't the only program they were in, but, you know, they pay high respect to me and what I've done. And they say, thank you so much, Coach Bell. And like, it's just amazing to see them and keeping those connections that I have now. So I can't find a six, like, I feel like it's all, it's all successful. Even the girls who don't make it to AUS, the fact that they would come into this program and not used to my coaching style, but then leave even a better person, being a better citizen, man, like learning how to respect people in the community, respect your coaches and just all these little things that, that's what I wanted to instill in them to be a better person and a, a better player all at the same time. So the success is looking at every athlete that's ever been through that program and knowing that they're we're a, we're a family. You know, we're a tight community, a tight family because it's not it's not a program for everybody. But yeah, so it's hard to find one success story because we were I kept the girls on the same level. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I, the success is having all those girls graduate from the program and you're playing at, at the next level. That's the name of the the subtitles, Triple Threat Basketball. Then we have certain programs and one of them is called Next Level. That was our biggest program, April to June, 10 weeks, 40 sessions or 20 sessions, just training. It's a lot. It's like twice a week. They go two hours a night and it's just get the job done. What's your role at Bedford Academy? So I am the athletic director but i'm the physical education teacher i've been doing that for 14 years and um my homeroom class is my grade five class so that with them we do recess and and lunch and we just hang out with them in their classroom but so homeroom grade five but physical education from junior primary to grade nine. Oh wow yeah so from four to 14 years old i get the whole school which i love because then like there's not a student that walks in the school that I don't know, and I love to have that connection with my students. So I've been, I've been doing that. That's my my main role there. Yeah. So you've been with kids since they were in primary to grade nine, because you've been there for 14 years. Yeah. So, so I've, you've seen I've seen kids. kids. Yeah. So we call I'm, them like 10 years. You you watch them from four to 14, and seeing them graduate. So Nancy Wallace calls them her lifers. The kids that started with her from yeah. four. Well, some even started in her pre. Like she has a, a preschool program where they were three years old, and then they went from that into Beverly Academy, the school, and junior primary, which is pre-primary, primary one, two, three, all the way to nine, and then graduate. So uh, that yeah. must be so. It, it's crazy, man. In a sense, like you're probably with these kids more than their actual parents. Well, well if you think you about know? the hours, they're the, they're with us at school longer than they are at home because. Yeah. The longest they are at home, they're sleeping. <laughs> so yeah, they're sleeping through the night, and then they're up, and they're with us at school. It's a it's an amazing, amazing profession. Amazing watching how you can impact. Well, Mr. Conley, you would know, right? And yeah. just watching how you can impact just students and people's lives and how you can shape them and just like my grade seven phys ed teacher was the reason why I wanted to become a phys ed teacher. Oh, the reason why I did basketball because he was like, I see you playing one day. And that's the talk I had with my grade fives that we talked at the beginning of this broadcast about constructive and destructive conversations and holding on to those constructive things and sometimes some destructive things for some fuel to prove to some people that you can do things they say you can't but yeah teaching there it's and i love like i'm I'm on, my, I'm on my feet all the time like and it doesn't feel like a job when you're when that, you're that's everything that that's what it is it doesn't feel like a job it just feels like 
where you go and you're just with an extended family hmm. for how many hours of the day and yeah so uh that's what i do there and i also coach so when we have we have basketball we have football we have track and so i do all that coaching um as well too so just got my hand in in, in many things at the end of this pod we got to wrap this up here soon yeah. but what, what i'm getting from from you is you're, you're just a, a mentor i think like you're, you're in a leadership role where people kind of look up to you to what you say you had a great role in your basketball excuse me your basketball career now you're in a position where you're molding minds yeah and like you know one thing i took from you from this episode was when you get a no don't get upset about it just be at peace with it yeah i like that a lot thank you man i appreciate that and then it's i'm also before we close just because i have a a responsibility i'm a a youth i'm a youth minister at my church so i'm under the youth and the young adults so hearing you say that mentorship thing is, is is key to me just try to from my mistakes help people youth not make those mistakes on the court off the court and everything so i appreciate that and i I take that role seriously to be a mentor i i I genuinely care about the ones i come in contact with to try to guide them along the right path yeah if there was one uh, individual listening to this podcast right now (laughs) let's say let's say 14 15 maybe 16 years old they're in that age where they're not in adulthood but Mm -hmm. they're starting you know maybe how old are you when you're out of high school? Uh, Six, seven. Well, you go to grade, college 18, right? Yeah, 15, you're grade 10, so 16, 17, like 18, 18. yeah. 18, so like that 18-year-old age, and they're getting ready to go to university, and maybe they're not ready for university, and maybe they want to go a different path than their friends, and they're in that confusing stage of their life, which we all go through. What would your advice be for that individual? Not even an athlete, just, just, just a, a person listening. I would take it from my perspective first, and then I'd give them some general advice, but... As you could, as I was speaking, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a prayer, right? I seek God first for the directions that I should go. Um, so I would tell them if if they're not doing that, then they should talk to somebody who is who's been there and sit down and get. Uh, there's wisdom in counsel to find out, you know what? Because when I was in, where where should I go? What what do you think I should do? Here are my ideas. Here are my options. Give me find somebody that you trust and say, what do you think about the decisions that I'm about to make? Right. Uh, I went to university knowing I wanted to become a teacher. But in my first two years, I wasn't in the right program for that. So it was like, even if you're not sure about what you want to do, take that step and go and just get in there. Talk to somebody and be like, yo, um, this is what I want to do. What are your thoughts about it? Find somebody you trust and, and lay out, lay it out there and say, what do you think? And then ultimately, you got to make that decision on your own. But having people around you in a tight circle that you care about—that's mm. uh, what's going to help. But don't—you—you got to be your own person. Don't try to follow the footsteps of your brother, or your sister, or what your parents did. Uh, find what you do. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. You are special. And you got to find out what that is about you that that you bring. What do you offer that nobody else can? And then and and follow that. And, and go off that. Jonathan, you're the man. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. This it's was awesome. A, thank you so much. It's been, it was fun, man. Thank you so much. First time doing this. So I, I, oh, yeah? I, yeah, man. Oh, I would have thought you would have been doing <laughs> interviews all the time. Well, not nothing like this, man. Um, so I appreciate you like having me on and just even talking to me about this. It's been fun. Oh, dude. Next time, uh, next time you're talking to Coach K, drop our name. I will. That's a guy who would like we'd love to. Oh yeah, he he would he would drive up. Is he a talker? Like yeah, Coach K. You can, yeah, man, he can go. (laughs) Drop a name for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone listening. um, 
Thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. It's Friday. Enjoy uh, the weekend. Take Jonathan's advice. Work hard. Have fun. Yeah, man. Stay focused. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> and watch basketball. And if you see him on the street, say hello. Say what up. All right. We're out. Peace. Thank you. Bye.
They stab it with their stealing eyes, but they just can't 